This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where Chris, right now, preparing for Memorial Day, couldn't be easier at your local Zupan's. Uh, Nothing goes better on Memorial Day than a great hot dog. How about this? Double R Ranch Beef Franks. A uh, four-pack, four ninety-nine. You're going to save two bucks on that. Or if you even want to up your game even more, go for the Snake River Farms, the Wagyu Beef Franks. A five-pack, twelve ninety-nine each. You're going to save money there as well. That sounds just delicious. Perfect, great hot dog on Memorial Day. Mm. Hot dogs were at that time of year, and a perfect end to your meal is a Blue Raven pie. Uh, they are nine inches, and they have. I love these pies and they have assorted varieties and uh, they're 18 bucks each it's a fantastic way to end your meal they also have some seafood patties salmon or halibut so you can add those to your hot dogs as well very nice and you know as we were talking about memorial day uh why not make it even even easier on you uh they've got a memorial day barbecue rib dinner that's ready to eat serves four people includes baby back ribs it's got this Rufus Teague barbecue sauce, baked beans, potato salad. Uh, they do it all for you. It's one of the things that I will I will shout it for the rest of my life, how great uh, Zupans makes it for whether it's Memorial Day or any holiday or just maybe your, you know, your weekend. Their meals ready to heat um, that you can pick up at your local Zupans. You, you don't want to miss out on that. Yeah, think about all the time you save, not prepping and doing everything. And then at the end, having leftover food that two weeks later you see, oh, I got to toss that. Mm-hmm. This is this is efficient. Yep. So pick up uh, all, all of that at your local Zupans. Three locations to serve you, West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and details always found where? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson. And Chris, I know we're releasing this on a Friday. We're recording this on a Thursday on what is World Redhead Day. So uh, today is my day. Oh, happy Redhead Day. Yeah. Who decided on this? I have no idea. It had to be a redhead. Right. No, no, I, it, I don't know. It's confusing because there's World Redhead Day in May, and then apparently there's National Redhead Day in November. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Whatever. I but, think uh, it was a redhead spouse who said, I'm going to make this just for you. You, you so know, you remember me. What, what's interesting, because I, I come from a, a fairly large family. There's eight kids. I'm the only redhead. And so I kind of grew up with a bit of a complex about about what it means to be a redhead. I've learned to embrace it a little more in my in my later years but uh, i i struggled with it when i was a you know when in elementary school were there ever questions that came up that why am i the only redhead oh, sure yeah no all, all the time <laughs> they the, the old joke was oh the mailman had red hair right and I, then, that was my that was my joke with my son who's yeah. a foot taller than i am right that was the the ups guy right so um yeah. Yeah, some 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 people would always ask me like, "Where'd you get your red hair?" When they'd see the rest of my family. So then I, I learned very quickly. I would just use the response, oh, "I just came with the head." So that's <laughs> what they had that day. Yeah, they were short. They were short, and they went with the red. Yep. Good. Speaking of redheads and red hair, I recently saw a bear outside my door. Uh, I, I with the little webcam I have that unfortunately doesn't 
it it doesn't use the night vision through the window where I have it set up. Mm-hmm. But we've seen a bear a couple of times. I get, my neighbor came over and said, uh, we just saw a bear in our yard. And then I went to check the camera. And there he was 45 minutes earlier. He or she or they. Right? We don't know. Right. And so... Um, so 45 minutes earlier, he'd walked through our property. And then again the other day, my son said, uh, hey, have you seen the bear again? And I went to check the tape again or the video again. And there he was 10 minutes before I went out with Kodak um, to do a little stuff around the yard. And so now I have it on notify. So anytime anything happens, which is constant notifications in and out the door. Right. But um, but we've seen this bear. He's not going to send me a text that says, hey, we're gone now. You, I'm gone now. You can, you can now freely let your dog out in the yard. So Kodak's been in, and um, I'm waiting. I assume that if I go a f- five to ten days without seeing him, he, they during the day, or them, um, we're in the clear because I like to let Kodak out to roam around a little bit. He yeah, always comes of, back. It's kind of tough because you know technically we're in their territory, us you know living living in the wilderness. But like this is your first bear encounter since all this time you've been living out there on the coast. Well, it's the first one I know about. Yeah. It's not really an encounter. So what I want to do is have it notify me that he's outside at that moment, which would happen, and go to the door and at least open the door to see and make some noise and see if the bear runs or doesn't. And right. I'm close enough to my front door to run back in if I need to. But so that's my that's my wish, and I hope that happens also to have the excitement of that little encounter. But the reason to come a little full circle i noticed yesterday when i did a little video enhancement this is not just a black bear it's got some reddish on its back oh. too some some reddish brown so uh unless <laughs> something weird happened but it's not like it was in that one spot it was when the bear rounded the corner it was still on his back yeah. so anyway that's that's uh, excitement there a little more excitement is we coming down the pike uh, in less than two months. We have our first rap, raft trip on the Snake River with Canyon Outfitters and Leaf Gildersleeve and his chef Eric from Flying Fish. And we were previously just sold out recently. And then a woman called and said they had to back out because they're getting a puppy three weeks before the trip. And so now we've got two spots available for that trip. It's pretty cool. Listen to our podcast with Leaf and then also Lynette and George at Canyon Outfitters. And then decide you really want to go because it's true. So we have two spots available on that. And that is a really special trip. Go to PortlandFoodAdventures.com and check out trips you can book. And it's down there. And the ringside trip is sold out. And then we have another one um, to Italy in September where we've got a great group of folks going. And we've got a couple of spots left on that. We'll, we'll take two more. So uh, that's there. Spain is sold out in the fall. And that's that. And we're planning some exciting things for 2023. So that's a little update and self-promotion. But as I always say, and people agreed with me on the last trip to Spain, this is a public service announcement. It's 
of, of course, it's a promotion for what I do outside of this podcast, but the trips are so great. People at least need to know about them. If they choose not yeah. to go, that's fine. But just as long as people know about it, and we got a little bit of an audience here who should know about it. So there's that. What else did we want to talk about this morning, Court, before we get to our Man, interview? We, we did rattle which through. Which is a classic episode. We, we, well, we, we, we were just talking about the uh, the new episode of uh, Eat Phil, or what is it? Uh, the, the Netflix. Somebody Feed Phil. Somebody Feed Phil that's on Netflix that features a bunch of uh, great Portland locations. Right. It's He comes to Portland. He's surprised that it's such a great food city. Somebody, somebody didn't feed Phil the information soon right. enough. Where's he been? Right, exactly. And he thought that, too. He said that. And uh, the episode is fantastic. I learned of some new places. Sometimes I feel out of it. And then I feel in it because a lot of the folks that were in that episode, I can call friends, and we've had them on the podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can, I can count quite a few who were in that episode. It's a, it's a really nicely done show. If you've never seen Somebody Feed Phil, it's a lot of fun. It's like Anthony Bourdain with a, with a, a comedy writer's twist on it. So it's, it's not as uh, serious as Bourdain. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Phil, I, Phil, if people don't know, Chris, Phil was the co-creator, maybe the sole creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. So that's his background is is comedy, comedy writing. He's friends with Ray Romano, obviously. And, right. Uh, so he's a like, really funny guy. He's. He's the he's the uh, he's to Ray Romano what Larry David is to Jerry exactly. Seinfeld. Yep. So, um, but Phil is uh, it's a great show and um, he does he he has a lot of fun. The food looks great. We had just you and I talked about some possible podcast guests that were on that show that we need to uh, we need to chat with. So um, go check that out. It hit net Netflix um, on the twenty. Fifth, so all the season five episodes are streaming now, and of course, go back in the archives as well. That's a cool show. But specifically, check out the the Portland version. Everybody will love that, um, and uh, enjoyable. Anybody listening to this podcast should like it. So I would think. So uh, let's get to today's episode, which is another classic episode, and I believe we've run it before, and that is because it is one of our favorites. It's with Kristen Murray at Maurice, which uh, we want to run again because I think in terms of everybody's welcome to go back and listen to all 300 plus episodes to argue with me about this. But uh, I think it's one of the most cerebral uh, interviews that, that we've done. I was really um, taken by uh, how deep... Kristen is uh, and was at the time. So this was in 2019, right, Court? Um, yeah, October of 2019. Yep. Right. And it's episode 217. We're 100 beyond that now. That's hard to believe that since the pandemic, we've done 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. But I guess we've been sitting here <laughs> to do them. Anyway, before the pandemic, uh, Maurice. The luncheonette was a little bit different. It was a place you showed up and sat down and ordered some beautiful food in a very white, feminine atmosphere. Just incredible place. Well, since then, um, Kristen, <laughs> uh, just watching her Facebook feed has been um, has been tough because Maurice was in the center of all the shit going down down in downtown Portland. The vandalism she sustained 
or sustained to her restaurant in the windows has now I walk by there with uh, Renee along uh, I don't know this winter and I said it's such a shame that it's boarded up and black because that is not the vibe you're supposed to get from Maurice is you can't see into this beautiful little restaurant and it's boarded up in black now because she just got constant um, broken windows and and other things going on as well. And since her podcast, we talked about um, her mom uh, towards the end of her life. Well, since then, her mother has passed. Very sad. Sorry for that loss. And, you know, Kristen mentions her mom a lot. Um, how, about how much she misses her on her Facebook posts. They were very close, and uh, that's sad. So she's been going through a lot of strife over the past year, and she has reinvented Maurice as a um, dining experience. Seven-course prefix lunch and dinner at $85 a person by reservation only. And I'm trying to think, yeah, lunch is Thursday to Sunday at 12.30. Dinner, which would be awesome. Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m. So now she has switched to a new model, which we hope is more sustainable for her and easier to operate and gives her more joy because um, she is a joyful person. In spite of everything that I just mentioned, I see her posting pictures of her bunny rabbits and how happy they make her. Lots of positive posts about life, and um, I find Kristen to be really fascinating, in addition to one of the real gems of our Portland food scene. She's got quite a history um, in the food world, and she brings a lot of wonderful experience and connections to her, uh, to Maurice and to her life. So we thought it would be a good idea to run that again, and we're hoping we'll let her know this is running again and then ask her if she can come back on with us pretty soon because I think that would be a great podcast. But in the meantime, what we have is a classic Right at the Fork episode with Kristen Murray of Maurice. Right at the Fork is brought to you by... Zupan's Markets, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. 
featuring the best chef-centric experiences in Portland since 2010. Go to portlandfoodadventures.com to see about the exciting trips our host Chris Angeles leads to places you have dreamed of going, like Western Sicily this September. It's time to stretch your international wings and expand your culinary horizons. Let Portland Food Adventures do all the planning to the best dining and culture all over Europe and elsewhere with Portlanders you'll get to know and enjoy. portlandfoodadventures.com you know, you have a nice little French look going on. You get the, the <laughs> purse around. What do, what do we call that? Like the for men, it's a I don't even know what you call it. But well, for men, it's a men's sack, right? And for you, it's what? It's my lady sack. A lady sack. It looks good with the Thank you. with the sort of the rain thing that you don't need today. You needed it yesterday. Yeah. But you still have it. You, you wore it today. It's appropriate. Mm-hmm. I am so happy to see you here. It's so weird. I don't do this. I, you know, I don't do this. I didn't know you don't do this, but I, I knew it was a little tough. We've been trying. Yeah, I've I've just you know sent the the hook out there, uh, the line out there a few times over the years. Yeah, it's been tough, and I also know you're very busy, mm-hmm. um, and it's tough for you to get away from Maurice. So um, I sincerely appreciate it, and more so. Well, I'm I'm appreciative that you asked. Oh no! It's, it's are we starting? Our, it's our honor. Is yeah, we're our, in, oh, we're, we're in. in. Yeah, we're, okay, all right. We're going, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm particularly um, appreciative that you're here with a nice warm smile on your face. Uh, because, well, well here's but I don't a, grimace, Chris. No, I didn't think so. No, you're always very friendly. But the impression that I have, you know, I have, we, you and I have never been able to actually sit down and talk, and that's one reason I it's have this true. podcast. Yeah, is it gives gives me the opportunity over two hundred people over six years that I never would able to be able to talk sure. to. But so when you're in your restaurant, you're very focused, right? Mm-hmm. You are extremely focused. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, you, you know, you have the wherewithal to say, to welcome your customers and say hi and smile, I but you're also, best. you're very focused. And then if you, following you on Facebook, Things are, it, it's not an easy business for anybody. No, there's lots of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts and things happen out mm-hmm. of left field. Those are the killers. It's true. Well, I mean, this morning I was at my acupuncturist, my osteopath. Now I'm here, then the freezer's down. So then I get to go fix that with a And you're here with a smile. In, that's, but I'm here That's why between, I'm happy because so. I know you have those issues. And you were originally scheduled for last week, but yeah. you had a... A back problem, which I assume relates to the acupuncturist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the older we get in the industry. I mean, it's it's a hard industry physically, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's important to take care of yourself. And so, this year, I've really tried hard to make that a priority um, because I don't plan on leaving the industry anytime soon. But I like to be able to do all the things. Do you have? I wouldn't necessarily call it a plan but a dream at some point that you want to leave the industry and go to France or wherever you want to go and not, no. not be doing this? No, I should, I should be able to do um, uh, the talents that my body allows me to do and travel at the same time. I haven't been able to do that because I've always been with little tiny restaurants for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest uh, professional experience I had was... Um, a 75-room hotel um, restaurant, and I did a couple of those when I was in New York. But for the most part, the tiny restaurants that keep you engaged, unable to just run away when it's harvest in France or, 
you know, you want to go learn how to make cheese with a fella. And Are you on Neil track or, with Maurice someday to be able to leave it in others' hands and go I do my best. Now? I do my best. I mean, I have, um, I have family obligations um, that have cropped up in the last couple of years. So I definitely uh, am trying to find my way to give that to the staff because they do such a good job. And, um, and it's an interesting conundrum as a restaurateur and a personality that's so, um, you know, my business is based off of so many of my quirks. Yeah, no, it's your, that that it's a weird, you're, you're on stage there, so to speak. And everybody's looking forward to your food. And just, even if it's, you know, this is, it's a business where you have, you rely on a team. Yeah, so they absolutely. have to be able to do what you do. Absolutely. But and it's and it's healthy for everybody to not have me there. Right. It's really great. Um, and the biggest compliment is to a chef is when people come to the restaurant and they can't tell. Absolutely. Like they actually come and they think it's not going to be as good because Kristen's not here. And Sometimes it's, it's better when I'm not there yeah, because well, I get creative. I mean, I, I, I wanted to see what my scones were like with um, Ayers Creek barley flour. And they weren't, they were weird, you know, but it was, and, but nobody but me would take that liberty Mm -hmm. to do that. And thank God, um, my lead baker doesn't, you know, she's makes beautiful, beautiful product. And if you, if you took that leap, does, do others in your, um, that work for you tell you, Hey, this isn't that good or. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we taste it and we laugh because I tend to move things around, mess with things. I mean, if, if there's a beautiful fern, I'll, you know, I'll be the one that'll muss it up and, um, and they'll be the ones that'll make sure that all of the fronds are hanging as they know I want it to be through mm-hmm. my messing it up. But there's, um, there should be a source of intention that shouldn't feel fussy, I think. And teaching that has been interesting over the years. Well, it, is that teachable or is that something that someone has can to be. have inherently? Can be, but it's so kind it of like be. common sense. Not everybody has common sense. Is it teachable? It's suggestible more than it's teachable. Right, and it's teachable over time when yeah. you have the opportunity. Exactly. People have the opportunity to learn by Which in mistakes. restaurants, as you know, it's a high turnover industry. Rarely do you have somebody that really commits and gives you that time to be able to implement all those things. You know? Yes. So. And it's challenging now, right? At this day and age in Portland, Oregon. Everywhere. It's weird. Right. It's so weird. So how do you keep up? How do you, how do you make sure you've got staff, especially you've got, as you said, you have family yeah, responsibilities I mean, it's, um, that are going to call you out at a moment's notice? It's true. Uh, the, the business will be six in December. Congratulations. So, I was looking back on that today and to think that that was six weird. years ago. Yeah, I uh, feel it. Um, but it's fun too. You know, it's, uh, I think Portland enables you to, um, to do something really creative and out of the box. Um, I'm incredibly disenchanted with all of the new black dress it girls that are a flash in the pan and don't really follow through. And I wish that there was a way for those people that are still committed to the ethos of what they do, mm-hmm. um, for them to get a little bit of that black dress attention, you know, it's it it's still sexy, even I'm not, though it's I'm not, not new. You. I don't know. Oh, where am I going with this? Maybe I don't want to go here. No, no, no. I don't necessarily <laughs> don't go forward with it, but just back up and tell uh, me what you, mean, what you mean by that. What I mean is, it's 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 a tough industry. It is an industry that. Um, 
has been abusive in the past. Like when I when I grew up in mm-hmm. kitchens, right. um, I was demoralized, thrown things at, um, underpaid, underfed. I mean, all of all of the things that we hear about. There were you know drugs, alcohol, sex, rape. I mean, all the things right. that do not make for a quality of life. And so it's and you stick you stayed with it, by the way. And there, and back then there wasn't necessarily the hope of it changing. All of a sudden, no. in the last few years. There's been attention called to that. There so. has been, but I think it's because um, people have died. People have committed suicide. I mean, there's, there's, um, it's not okay, you know. And and it's fun and encouraging having a restaurant and bringing people in, customers and staff, and having a restaurant that doesn't really deal with substance abuse um, because of our hours on many levels. Um, I've been in restaurants where the breakdown you know you get out of there two four in the morning and there are just things that happen late at night that don't happen in a daytime restaurant for whatever reason Hmm. um it's not too early not too late you know it's it's more quality of life driven right even though it's a hell of a lot of work Uh, but there, still, but I'm still but, not making sense. So no, you are, and you I are. wish this wasn't live because now I'm. I'm it's not, not really. Sense. If it's not. It's not actually you can live. Cut it out. We cut can out. cut it out if you want to. <laughs> but um, but we we kind of want we, the way we work is we like to know that now rather than later because when you cut things later, yeah, everything's out of short. context. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. then you have to go through the whole okay. thing. Okay. So, but but if it's okay, I think you made perfect sense. But I was what I was about to say is. You can't necessarily, even though you have the hours that preve- seem to prevent against those problems, you can't necessarily know that someone's not going to be have an addiction problem. No, and, true, and true. And, and you're going to have to, you know, that's something you have to deal with. Well, yeah, and I mean, and it's, we, we rarely have customers where we have to deal with a drunk during oh, the I day. Was, I was thinking more of staff. Right, but, but I'm also yes. saying on the other end, well, I mean, you have to true. deal with both sides, but... There was a woman that used to come in and she always had three glasses of wine and one quiche. Mm-hmm. And she loved red wine and we don't sell a lot of red wine. And at first I was really nervous because I was like, well, we're da- I don't know, you know, what if she goes out? And and the lead server was so cute and said, I think she's kind of practiced in this. I really don't think you should worry. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that reminder of like, this- right, she's fine. Okay. You know, but it was that. Oh, she wants a third glass. I don't know. I feel weird about that, knowing she's not really eating anything more. She's right. not, you know, it's, but um, that's not my response. Well, you plus, know, it's, but it's that funny. It's, I don't know, restaurants are a weird thing and, and kind of a magical thing. Like I've had, I have friendships with so many of the customers and the staff that's worked for me. Most of them are like family and a lot of the customers have become like family. But I've had people divulge divorce over a s'more brood that I've lent my home to when I was going away and I never have that space and time, you know, but I was like, I, I can't give you money. I can't give you, you know, but I can give you my home mm-hmm. for three days. Um, and that woman recently donated her car to the business Oh, as a thing, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, I try to not focus on the stresses that you really can't do anything about that will cause me to have a constant panic attack and close the tiny little thing Mm -hmm. and just focus on the day-to-day with the obvious, it's a business, you have your forecast, you have all these things that you have to have in line, but also realize that it doesn't begin and end with that business because there are more things and 
when it's time to be done with this iteration, it will be done, but I won't let it go to the point where it's got a rip slip that everybody can see. Hmm. I want it to be really graceful and on my terms. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I've lived my life. Do Tried you, to. Not to get ahead of the game here, because I want to get back to, uh, you were talking about some of the challenges inside the restaurant with customers. There's stuff going on outside the restaurant at your it's been, it's been really more challenging. and more challenging. There was a man yesterday that was yelling at me, blocking customers in, um, and it's scary. And I want to protect the clientele. I want to protect the staff. I'm also a five seven woman. That's you know not of huge stature, and You're not I the can one only I would hire to be puff, my bouncer. Puff my, right. I mean, <laughs> I can only puff my breath so much. My bark is is. Sometimes good, but, um, and it's, it's challenging because the support systems that the city has set up for you as a small business owner, they're bloated. They're overwhelmed with all they have. So like my door was smashed in in the spring and they didn't come for a couple hours and, you know, it was hard to know. And, and there were homeless kids coming up trying to harass me and see it just, there's so much stress with that that it it's unfortunate because no matter how beautiful I make my space and my food, there are lots of people over the last six years that don't come downtown anymore because it's less desirable for them and have said truthfully that they would be so happy and patron and come all the time if I was on the east side, but it's everywhere. Well, it's if you, everywhere. If you were in Manzanita, I would see you every day I'm out there. So that, well, And then you'd deal with none of those problems. Yeah, but that's a whole different subject. Yeah, no, I understand. But you also dealt with recently the city shut down, shut you down on a Saturday. Well, there's been that. I mean, what, what, not to get too political, but literally ever since Trump has been elected, there has been more bullshit that has come into downtown because that's where you protest. That's where um, people gather. But having the crossroad of the bridges cut off because of those protests and people not being able to access the business, it's... And having the city basically say, don't go downtown. Well, well yeah. That's not, you know, that's not your chamber of commerce. No, no. So I, I appreciate what they did having the free transit the following weekend and free parking, it did help with business. Um, but, you know, we we lost a lot of money and I, and I paid the staff for that day, which, um, you know, they weren't expecting, but it's, it's not fair for them. And that's my responsibility as a business owner to protect them. Right. And I've committed to a certain um, relationship with them. So... And it's not easy. You don't, as but, a small restaurant owner, you don't have a, you know, a rainy day. I don't have a fun, big, I mean, know. there's, there's no, there's no big dreamy money tree or nest egg or something that I'm pulling from. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating how to understand um, how to be gracious and kind when you get certain feedback of it's too expensive, it's too small, it's too this, it's too that. And it's like, you actually don't realize how much I'm spending, and you shouldn't have to, frankly. Right. It's not your responsibility. That, you know, that's one of my things that I've had. I've said over the years is I don't want 
I'm sympathetic. And of course, I'm sitting here interviewing people who have restaurants. So yeah. I understand that. But I also don't like when restaurants put it on me. Like one of my little issues is like to go get a bagel and have the th- the square turned around and the tip line there oh. for, to grab a bagel. It's just, it's, it's stressful. Like you're, putting, you're putting the whole thing on the customer. It stresses me out. And then I yeah. have to figure, well, does is this tip worthy? Am I a dick <laughs> if I don't tip? Like I'm 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 confused right. that they're asking. And that's that's automatic psychologically, even if they're not asking, it's it's a psychological conundrum that I don't appreciate. I, I'm so glad you're so you I'm that I'm right there. There's that and then there's also um there's I think businesses that have the the wellness, which I understand is helpful, but again, I think it's our responsibility to figure out a way either raising the prices or, I mean, it just, it's not the customer's responsibility. And we have to, as smart business owners, figure out a creative way to interject it into the business so that you're still coming, we still are able to sustain it, or we're not. And and a lot of my ethos and ideas will probably close my restaurant in some time. And those people that are being... Um, that are making the customers more aware of the stresses that they have and trying to make them an active part mm-hmm. of keeping that place around um, will be around for a very long time. Well, maybe. You never know. But, you know, th- and things are always changing. Right? Absolutely. It's always in flux. And then, you know, things you are were talking raising. about your cash cow <laughs> and your money tree. Hopefully, you know, the Ritz-Carlton will be your money tree someday, you know, well, across the way. So you have a lot I'm ex- more... Ho- I'm, I'm excited for that. And I, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I'm on the lesser of people in town. I think it's, um, it's going to be really good for business. And unfortunately, as much as I adore the renegade, you know, fun concept that food carts enable um, dreamers and creatives and hardworking people to do, it actually hurts the people that have brick and mortars um, on a good day. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Especially when you got a lunch. When you're, exactly. When you're relying on lunch. Exactly. It's different if it's dinner. Exactly. But. but I also opened up something that asks you to be there for an hour and a half, essentially. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that time. You know, it's a nice hour and a half. It's too. a nice hour. And a, it's convivial. It's you should, but you have to make that space. Mm-hmm. You know, and I try to be really transparent with everybody that if you just have fifteen minutes to a half an hour, please get something that's made. Most everything is composed. I have no refrigeration. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be made fresher. So, yeah, but I. I opened a weird concept and it's been really cool to see it have legs and be loved. And but, I, 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 I know you don't know this and not many people do, but I actually asked for a 30 year lease when I signed to and force yourself into, no, just, I, I, I don't know. I had finished reading, um, a book about a New York restaurateur that had done the same thing. I think it may have even been Gabrielle Hamilton. And I just thought, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And did I did. You, and, and they were so did funny. Did you get it? No. I didn't think so. You wouldn't have worded it that way. No, but I did get um, uh, half of it because I got five five years and, and two five-year renewals. So and basically, that is, you know. I think that's wonderful because we now know of a lot of places that have been closing just because they can't 
negotiate the next lease. Right, properly. and and I'm I'm so thankful that I I was able to negotiate it and, and do my own um, deal with the owners, and they're really kind men, and I'm really proud that Maurice is where it is. I think as much as the east side would be a different thing. Um, I think Maurice is where it's supposed to be. Well, I think it's perfectly positioned for what's going on. I looked Portland for two and a half years, years at Spaces. Well, that's what I was going to say. What came first, the Space or Maurice? Was was how long had you been? Twelve years. Okay, and so what do you remember where you were the first time you thought, a, this is what I want to have, and b, the name Maurice? Oh well, I was in New York when I first started thinking about Maurice. Um, and how old were you? In my 20s. Um, and then uh, it just got more and more concrete over the years um, of what I wanted it to be. And um, I, it's interesting experiencing a pastry chef that goes from fine dining and pastry detail cooking versus, um, for me personally, versus a cook or a chef um, that is incredibly talented going into pastry or making the pastries. There's just a different level of detailing that happens. So I found, or I do, um, and, uh, and I really wanted my business to emulate that. I, I, I wanted it to be food with the sensibility coming from a pastry chef um, versus a baker. Uh, and then, um, kicked around, well, I, I was relocated to Portland after, um, working really hard on, um, making sure I, I was working with, um, mentors that had inspired me over the years. Um, and it was really funny sending you the bio because I don't send anybody my bio very often any longer. And, Why not um, any longer? Well, you're not applying for jobs. No, because I have. I'm <laughs> right. yeah, nine twenty one Oak all the time. Um, but uh, but it was fun just being like, oh yeah, all right. Well, that's when I and noticed well, 2012, 2013. I thought that's a long time. She's been there. I started. Well, I started working in restaurants when I was fourteen because my dad was a restaurateur. So I'm a lifer. Wow, that is a lifer. And what kind of restaurant did he have? He had fine dining. Um, he was involved with Trumps and Michaels in um, Santa Monica and um, and Los Angeles. And wow, that was probably I was would would that have been in the late seventies, maybe or eighties? Because I was around yep. there then. I yep. used to work at the Whiskey A Go Go okay. back then. Yeah, lived in Topanga. So yeah, I lived by there all yeah. Time. And then he he was partnered with um, Santa Cafe in New Mexico. So I, I went to go visit him when I was 14 and was a busser at the restaurant and and that kind of started the bug. Um, but he um, he designs jewelry now. He, oh. he left well, the yeah, industry. You can't stay, you know? you can't I mean, stay it, in the... it, it has, usually it, it has a time frame and it, it switches into something else. And, and it was interesting relocating to Portland and not really... Um, checking out what the other restaurants were because it, um, Lucier seemed like s such a sure thing. Wouldn't it be interesting? Do you think, oh, this is a question, I don't necessarily know, but I mean, that was some staff 
at Lucia when it you know when it opened. Yeah, they brought some incredible. They talent. brought some heavy hitters. Yeah, and, and it was a riot. I mean, I didn't know the Dessens, but they got my information from Mary Check, an old contact in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came left field, and I had just had reconstructive wrist surgery from a snowboarding accident in Park City, where I was consulting. So it was I was looking for a change because um, I had done consulting for. Um, Barbara in Boston and then it helped with family and was back and forth between Boston and Park City, Utah and came um, here and worked worked my butt off and loved it. It was, it was interesting to see it before the build-out was finished and then when it was finished and then the economy and then understanding how much far ahead of the time frame it was for Portland. Right. I don't necessarily well, think Portland does fine dining. I mean, even though I've been fine dining most of my experience, I opened a restaurant that's more of a diner with a hidden underbelly of fine dining ethos preferences. But it's it's a diner, even though I don't want it to be labeled as a diner. Well, you know, it's, but it's not. It's, you can't call it that because immediately people have a. Uh, a conception of what that might exactly. Look like. So I call it a luncheonette, which it is, is which m- is like I don't know what a luncheonette. But I was raised by my elders, and right. so I've I've always been drawn to older people with that comfort, and they know what a luncheonette is, mm-hmm. you know. But it's the luncheonette with a European vibe based on my heritage. Makes sense, mm-hmm. but it it's it's a bit unique. Have you? So first of all. Uh, Lucia, just to, for the people who don't know, I mean, you and I know, yeah. and I don't, never got to visit there. It was going on before I discovered there was a food scene here. Really. Oh, okay. So, but that was, uh, there was a concept that, and what is that space now, by the way? Unfortunately, it's just an event space. It's and just it's, an event space. It's such, it's the most handsome, I mean, it's, it's a steel and glass down by the south wall. Yeah, south I mean, they front. they built it, and they had um, an amazing architect come out from New York. And I often wish that it would just turn into what City Market was because it would be an amazing view. There are all these people living down there. There's, they weren't there when Lucia. That was one of the problems. Yeah. They weren't there when Lucia was built. Well, I mean, it it's the the economy just was a wreck and and right, also, but now it's a better opportunity because it is, a but lot there's of not a market there. like i mean there's just it still doesn't have the things and and to imagine like a provador a city market down there where you could get something delicious and gorgeous to eat there or take home and mm-hmm. have this stellar view mm-hmm. um so i'm still hoping somebody will do that or if i find that money tree i'll do it because it's it's well, you know, the, the demography of this podcast is everywhere. It's a million <laughs> plus. So maybe so you'll hear it. So you talked earlier about uh, a graceful exit or a graceful transition that you would like. If when you want to go on to something else beyond Maurice, do you have that in now? Do you have you started gelling that one in your mind that this no, is what I, would I do have, next? No, I mean, you're I'm just, you're just I'm still thick in love. In it. You're not you're not. I'm thick in it. Yeah. No, no. I I feel fortunate that I really love um, and I'm so proud of what I created and the people that help give it life. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, an institution, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse. And get excited because now Ringside is open seven days a week. 
So you can join them for indoor and heated patio dining any day of the week. The hours are Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, Friday, 4.30 to 9.30, Saturday, 4 to 9.30, and Sunday, 4 to 9. So everything's close to the same, but go on Ringside's website to check out the updated hours and, of course, uh, see about their prime rib three-course $48 special that is moving back to its historic Monday. Yeah, that's really great. I, I, that's one of my favorite things to get at Ringside Steakhouse. So uh, you can put that back on the agenda for a Monday night. Also, keep in mind, because uh, they got really good at this during the pandemic, but they've got Memorial Day meal kits. This is where you let uh, Ringside Steakhouse do all the heavy, hard stuff, and you go and you pick up these meal kits. You've done this before, right? The meal kits? I've done meal kits for sure. They're great, and it's uh, it's easy to pick up and, um, of course, delicious at home, ringside at home. Certainly. So make those reservations on the website. Check out the hours on the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com. So what do you love most about it? And maybe for the people who haven't been to Maurice, you can describe it. And, you know, I just recently was asked by someone coming into town with her daughter and, you know, her daughter was 18 or something. I said, you, the first thing I thought of, and I have my list, I thought, you have to go to Maurice. Oh, that's, that's the perfect sweet. mother-daughter it little is. spot. Yeah, so it I is. don't know if that describes it, but it came and it slapped me in the face. And I said, you have to tell them yeah. to go to Maurice. So, um, What do I love about it? I love that um, I, I'm an only child and I have a really small family. And I was raised by, like I said, you know, my grandmother and my great aunt. And... For me, and I can't believe I'm getting emotional about I, this. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. You can take a moment if you'd like. Um, but I think it's nice that you're getting emotional about it. But I love that I get to um, bring them life and what they gave to me because they're not around anymore. And so, you know, the um, uh, my grandmother loved having brunches and it was a big celebration and we um i didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth or anything like that but the china always came out and we shined all the things and there were little placemats and it all of a sudden was this beautiful procession um and i feel like we get to do that at maurice we get to be really transparent and have a home setting that shouldn't really make sense as a restaurant but it is a restaurant and um, it's way too personal. Well, and the, the, menu, <laughs> the menu is handwritten, right? Or, yes, which is ridiculously inefficient. And I love and hate beautiful. that. But it's, it's so beautiful. And, and um, beautiful. It's your handwriting. It is correct? my handwriting. It's, it's just you, it, for no other reason. And there are many reasons, many big reasons. Go in there just to look at the menu. It's, it's just, made it's, to order. Yeah. yeah. But I get anxiety if I print. Because I work with so many different farmers, I don't know um, what needs to be served right now, what should sit. And the not having an office at the restaurant, not ha- just having tables and kitchen, it, it's almost like writing a love letter to the day and then giving that gift to someone. Mm-hmm. 
but asking them to give it quickly back <laughs> to give to the you next table. Because so we only have so many because my hands get arthritic after, you know, eight, <laughs> eight to ten. Um, on nights where, you know, Feast was in town, it was great to see all these different faces. It was the first year that I didn't do an event um, just because of things going on in my life. Personally, I was worried I wouldn't have the time and, um, and it's really challenging with our space with storage and, um, and staffing and everything um, when we are that busy. And so it was really nice to be there and be present. Um, but I was going somewhere with this that I fell off. Oh, I wish Damn I could it. help you. I, I, I'm with you, uh, but I was very, I was, I fell off. No, no, you didn't I fall lost off. It. No, Dang no, no. It. We'll get it back. Because I'm used to it. I'm constantly forgetting where I was going, and then you. It's the age thing. Yeah, but I got, I got, <laughs> I got more of an excuse it's the than age my friend. Thing. It's, uh, I'm 47. Yeah, well, I'm 61. All right, all right, so all right. I got a few more years. All right. Wait, you think you forget them now? I, yeah. I'm having trouble with faces. How about that? Faces, I'm good. It's, yeah, well, everybody it, is. You know, I'm, you know, I do events, and then I have people. Yeah. Say, I, I learned to stop saying. Nice to meet you. I'm. Thank you for coming. Right. Because, uh, you know. Anyway, so that happens, and those challenges are going to happen. So you know, that's an interesting segue. Yeah. We can get back to where you were going. I'm so curious. I'll give you a couple of seconds. Okay. So the name Maurice you asked about earlier. Yeah, the name Maurice. So I just asked about if you remember when you had, when you thought of that, when you thought of the concept. So you went, but way back to New York in your twenties on that. Yeah. See, I can remember that. <laughs> and, uh, but the name Maurice and where, so where did that come from? So originally I wanted, um, my business to be named shoe shoe C H O U X because okay. I like making, um, croquembouches and that was kind of, that's always been a fun thing with, um, I hate doing wedding cakes, so I'll always offer to do a croquembouche. Mm -hmm. Or um, uh, I did miniature croquembouches when I was at Number 9 Park with Barbara and had a disastrous thing happened with 300 mini croquembouches for our New Year's Eve menu, and I used ice cream cones as the base to put all the little you know, caramel dipped, I think it was a um, caramel dipped and a white white peppercorn uh, kumquat. Oh, just that. Like, just you know, fun, the usual fun. white peppercorn But the, the, the cones didn't soften enough with the mousse that I put inside of them. Mm. And so there were croquembouches shooting across the dining room <laughs> 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 as well as Bubbles popping for, I mean, it was, it was festive and Barbara and I laughed about it, but it was a nightmare and the same for the staff. Um, and then I started thinking about talking with friends about, bonjour, shoe, how may I, and people are going to say, shoe, are you a shoe store? Are you, and, and nobody's going to know and, um, and kicked around other pastry names, but I didn't really like any of them. When I was living in New York, I was engaged to um, an Italian architect, and he did not like cats. And he was very particular, and long story short, not to go there, but he gave me a bunny in a box one Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, the bunny stayed, and was Maurice, and the Italian architect went away. And I had Maurice. I'd never had, well, I had a rabbit, actually, when I was 
a kid named Harvey after the Jimmy Stewart film. That wouldn't have worked as well as Maurice. But um, no, but uh, but I didn't remember that I had had a bunny because I was so little when I had my first bunny. And um, anyway, Maurice was the best mascot. I had just gotten out of this engagement. It was hard. So I would bring Maurice everywhere. I brought him on the subway to Central Park. I'd bring him camping and let him go like a dog. I just didn't know any better. And I'm sure the rabbit advocates are going to freak out if any of them are any rabbit. But I've been, a, I'm, I'm a good it sounds like you were rabbit treating the buddy rabbit odor. better than any rabbit ever but was But the treated. rabbit became my guy, my mascot, like mm-hmm. like your dog, you know? And and he was kind of like a dog. And we hung out with a friend that mm-hmm. that had a boxer. And the boxer would, you know, lower to his level. And Maurice would stand up and throw his ears back because he was lop-eared. And so he kind of... I, I wanted my business... at end of the day to be like that mascot for people mm-hmm. you know where it was sweet and charming and beautiful but could stand up and throw its ears back and puff its chest and be next to all the big guns um and be around for a lot longer than you would think it would he was around 12 years is that what maybe maurice will be around 30 years who knows uh, we hope so you know second second lease negotiation <laughs> for the next 15 <laughs> Uh, and where did the little circle, well, I don't even know what that is. The omluk. Uh, yeah, the omluk over the A. Yeah, so um, the A, so it's a Norwegian A, and it's the omluk, and that, you still pronounce it Maurice, thankfully. And Maurice was named after Maurice Chevalier, which, he was a French lop, made sense for the French-Norwegian, and then with the Norwegian A, having a double meaning, so... Norwegian A in the French name, but also for all of, as you can see, I'm incredibly sentimental. Um, I, I, I'm just lo- I'm loving it. I'm trying. And I'm so engrossed in what you're saying that I'm having a really hard time thinking where are we going to go next, okay. but we'll find um, out. Right. And so the the double meaning of the Norwegian A is a halo for all of those that have passed that were involved in giving me all the tools to do what I do now, like my great aunt Chris, like Nana, like Gigi, my grandfather, like Robert Reynolds. I you know, was, I was gonna. That was so my, that. I actually have a blue chair that's on the top of the waiter station mm-hmm. that is there for all of those people to always have a seat, hoping. <laughs> knock on lots of real wood if I can find it in here. Mm, um, oh, that might be real. Okay. Um, you want me to knock on it? Yeah, for please. You? Well, no, 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 no. That's bad. That's like you got it. Scandinavian superstition. You got to knock yourself. I um, have a phone with wood on that's the back okay. of it. Um, uh, oh. The seat for everybody who's not there. Since hopefully every seat will be filled. <laughs> <laughs> um, and talk a little bit. See, I didn't know the man, Robert Reynolds. I only got to know about him after he passed, and everyone was so emotional. Yeah. Uh, well, and I person. and I left Paley's to, I had a space actually on Division next to um, the Whiskey Soda Lounge, that really big building that kind of looks like a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, the white, it was a, a 5,000 square foot spot. Um, and Robert and I would break in when it was under construction. I'm, um, sorry, I'll be brewing because it's their building. But um, I had an investor from San Francisco that pulled out last minute. And it, it was the biggest blessing because um, it would have been a market in the front, a wine bar in the center, and the restaurant in the back. And it's a much better second or third business, not a first business. Mm. But I needed that to fall through. I was at Paley's place, 
And um, there was a space in the film exchange, which is close to Paley's, that I would leave and go for coffee. And the owners would find me in there touching the walls in the workspace where I wasn't supposed to be. Became friends with them. That ended up being the space of Maurice. But, um, or friends with them. And then they have the building where Maurice is now. But um, I left Paley's in March of 2012. And Robert had his second bout of cancer and they found a tumor that spring soon after I left Paley's and we met in 2009 um, because Heidi Yorkshire was my neighbor uh, loved and not by some people a big a big personality mm-hmm. and Robert was much the same and um, he was looking for people to teach his classes Please cut that Heidi Yorkshire bit out for me. Sure. I'd be happy to. <laughs> I just realized I really don't want that. No, it's okay. You're 39. Okay. As long as I noted it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was like, oh, so we'll that might bite me in the ass. No, um, sorry, we don't want anything. That's, that's the reason. I used to have a little disclaimer, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, so Heidi brought me to Robert's um, class, and it was so charming, and... You can't mention Heidi now. Okay, so my neighbor, out, my yeah. neighbor, so my neighbor um, brought me to Robert Reynolds' class, and it his the chef studio was his little cooking school um, that was behind Ken's Pizza, and John Taboda was his longest student, and that's how I became buddies with Taboda was through Robert. Um, he was he was such a good connector. And, um, and I, uh, he, I was brought by the neighbor and we sat and we watched his class and the class was cooking our lunch. We had lunch, the students left, he poured me a little glass of wine or a little more wine and said, now dear, I hear nobody thinks like you do and I'm sick, will you please cook um, and teach the classes I can't find enough people to help me cover Mm. and I gave him every excuse as much as I was so completely um, just blown away by his trust in me without knowing me from Adam um, and the huge compliment but also was like well I, I, I don't teach I've never taught his answer, but you managed people. How many people was the most you managed? And I was like, well, six to nine. Perfect. Classes are usually about that size. Mm. And you've been a pastry chef how long? Oh, 12, 15. Okay, good. So you have some things under your belt. And every answer I would give to him, he would just rebuke. So um, I taught for him and we became really good friends. Um, I, uh, and then he let me create a whole pastry program there. So that was actually my livelihood for a couple years between, um, teaching at the chef studio and cooking at Kier Wine Bar and helping Jesse and Aubrey make drinking chocolate in between and selling some illegal cookies baked out of my house to little coffee shops in the neighborhood for a couple years. Those are all beautiful things. It was weird. And it's part of my love f- 
for Portland and what kept me here was it it has a pioneering spirit um, and I and and quality of life and a great community and um, it would have been easy to go back east because most of my formative years were spent between Boston and New York but um, I just kind of I don't love the Wild West but I love the wild hair that it gives well, and also the, the it's an inherent creative spirit here yeah Absolutely, and you have that in New York and Boston, but there's also that whole financial. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I opened Maurice on a dare to Portland because I was so in love and so pissed that it wouldn't take all that I worked so hard to hone, um, and that I couldn't get a real pastry chef job, um, and I. And what you couldn't get one or you didn't want to? No, I couldn't get one for a couple years because the chefs would make their own desserts, you know, and, and Steve Jones from Steve's cheese after Lucier closed, I, I, um, would go when he had the little shop on Thurman Mm -hmm. and, and buy cheese for home and went in there looking for cheese to drown my sorrows in that I could afford after the closure of Lucier and told him, and he was so kind and brought me with him to deliver cheese to the chefs to introduce me to different chefs in town. And I gave them my consulting spiel of like, well, when I left number nine park, I actually consulted a couple of years back and forth. No, thank you. We do our own pastries. And it's like, but don't you want to do them better? Nope. Don't have that in the budget. So Paley's was the first real pastry chef job that I was able to get um, after. And um, and then when Vito was looking to open, um, when he had the opportunity for Imperial, it was a good um, crossing of the road because I really wanted him to have someone that would be there for the whole experience of the restaurant and and be able to give years um and i had already been with them um for a couple and knew that my own business needed to happen so i left paley's and then ended up actually taking care of robert for almost a year Mm -hmm. um because i could and i had never had that space and time professionally even when my grandparents were ailing i did my best um And I think I understood after Robert passed that I transferred a lot of my guilt for um, placing my profession ahead of family when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I gave him my all. And it was the biggest gift that I was able to give him and and the trust that he gave me was huge. So we, um, I essentially moved in with him. Uh, A pajama party turned into a while mm-hmm. of pajama parties mm-hmm. and um, and uh, we did a fundraiser to take him to Europe um, and John Taboda joined um, for part of the leg to help um, so he could say goodbye to friends in um, Paris and Tours, New York, uh, Lyon mm. um, and then we were trying to make it to Venice, I know. No, 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 no. Um, and we uh, we only made it to Torino because he lost his ability to walk. Mm. Um, and it was um, it was incredibly intense. So after, um, but again, like I say, the the biggest gift. And someday I would like to write a book about that experience because it was the hardest thing I've ever done. 
um, but the biggest gift. And it, it was more about the friendship behind it than um, the horrible disease of cancer. Um, and I'm sure at some point my mom's health will be integrated into a book about uh, taking care of people. And Just about to ask about that. So I, I have um, just seen a little of your, some of your tribulations that you've written through your Facebook posts. And I went through similar things. My mom wasn't local, and it was extremely painful, and things are not in place, and you, no, one, no one taught a class mm-hmm. on how to deal with an elderly parent and all the logistics that go with that, the Social Security. The, right. um, it's really, really hard. And, you know, it, it seems to happen to most of us right when we're in about 50, 40, and, mm-hmm. you know, when you're really have to focus on what you're doing so um so it's really tough and you're going through that now and you've got it's you're a very focused person and it's impossible for you to completely focus when that's going on it's hard it's hard i don't want my business to close um and that scares me to death because uh it's a huge source of it's it's become you know the husband the lover the kid it's um and and the community that's involved with it is um my rock on many levels um i it doesn't make sense to move to california where my mom is um and just uh this year um she will actually be moving here and now um i'm 10 days out just from that decision with um, family and figuring out what that means um, and how to make all of that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, she has a posterior cortical atrophy on top of Alzheimer's, which is pretty rare, um, the combo. So it it uh, y- you get more effects of... Um, vision and motor skills being filtered on top of the memory mm. issue. Um, and she can't be very old. You're, you're she's, young. She's 69. She had me when she oh was young. God. Um, she's really young. Um, and her sister has been taking care of her and just can't anymore. Mm. because she, she can't. It's, it's a lot. Um, so it's, it's, but her neurologist has been very clear with how escalated the disease is going. Um, he's actually recommended hospice care and let me know that, you know, she doesn't have years. And I, being such a focused, um, determined person, am dedicated to uh, giving her quality of life for as long as she's here. Um, but it's incredibly overwhelming and scary and I don't quite know how to do that. And I'm sure at some point I'll have try to do like a fundraiser at the restaurant or something as, um, to help with the care. I don't know. I don't know. I, um, it's, it's super overwhelming and scary. And the tough part with that is you talk about quality of life and you already see that that's not the quality of life that she would have wanted or that you want for her. No. And, um, and Robert and I actually had a lot of really frank conversations about when your quality of life passes. Mm -hmm. And I wish that we mom and I had had conversations before she is where she is now. Um, 
because if there was a way to have assisted suicide with her condition, um, it, it would be a kinder output mm-hmm. than what her brain is, is doing to her. And um, I don't even know if I could be the one that could do it, mm-hmm. but just the fact that she doesn't even get that conversation um, is it's beyond heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's the best way I can describe it is it's almost like seeing a bird that's in a glass box that just keeps hitting the glass, Mm. trying to translate that it needs to fly or it needs water or, um, and you are trying so hard to read its body language, but its body's not able to communicate and verbally it can't. So it's, it's, um, I, I don't know, but with the way that she sees things with those diseases, um, she sees children, she sees flowers, she sees animals. Those are the three things that seem to give her great joy. Mm. Um, so I rack my brain <laughs> every time I'm with her to have those things around her. So, but it's but it's a heavy, it's a heavy, um, it's a heavy burden that she has to bear that I'm going to do my damnedest to keep her safe until she's not around. It's, it's nice that she has you. What about food? What do you bring her any of your beautiful food? Does that, you know, it's, um, it's been so hard over the years. She's lost so much weight this year. She's lost 30 pounds in the last six months. Mm. Um, it's challenging to get food from the plate into her body. Mm. Well, um, so this last trip, uh, lots of delicious shakes, <laughs> you know, but it's, um, it's, it, we've, we've passed the point of, of me being able to do what I do best in the way that I do best and have her enjoy all the aspects of it. Mm-hmm. It's really more about, um, putting fat on her and keeping her, um, not putting fat on her, but, um, having her, maintain nutrition so yeah but and it's not something you ever gave thought to and then all of a sudden that well i mean i i we used to joke all the time when she was um before the disease that i'd buy a house she'd have the Mm mother-in-law i'd always take care of her till the end um but this alzheimer's and then and then the posterior corded Cortical atrophy is uh, horrific, and there's and there's very little um, there's little study on the combo. There's little treatment on the combo. So um, I am researching memory care facilities, but they're six to eight thousand dollars monthly, and there is also a ratio of nurse to patients that I don't think will work for where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, foster care um, is another that was suggested. And then also having someone come in and do home care. I can't afford to leave my apartment um, because of housing and, you know, and finances. Finances are huge. So mm-hmm. figuring out that stability. Um, and I, but I need to, I actually reached out to the community last year um, to see if any chef would take over Maurice for a month, um, you know, 
quarterly or something so that I could go to California and keep her where she was and help out. And it was astounding. Um, nobody bet because there are so many say, details of that that are challenging. People, I thought you were going to say astounding how many people came came and rose raised their hand. No, uh, no. I mean, when you think about I mean, the logistics chefs, of it. you can do that, they have to, it's not probably somebody out of work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it's it's making sure it's not a completely new concept. It's right. maintaining the staff, the relationships with the farmers, the, you know, so it's, it's, hey, you get to try a restaurant on, you'll be paid this amount, you have to make sure these things are taken care of, you mm-hmm. have to make sure these sales are made daily, mm-hmm. you know, it's a business. So, um, and no, not many people are set up to, no, to no, do you've spent so many years building with your heart and your hands and your hard work. Yeah. So to walk in and just say, Oh, I can do that for, that's not going to happen. No, no. I understand. No. Well, I hope I wish you the best in going through it. I, uh, I went through something similar. I can't say that I understand because everybody's situation is yeah. different, but it's, it's rough stuff, so I yeah, feel for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope some, that you get, uh, that the pain doesn't last. You know, that's something that's... Well, I mean, that's why, you know, the, the balance of me loving what I do. I mean, that's, it's, um, it's so nice to put all that love into something and give it to somebody and see their joy receiving it. Mm-hmm. That gives me back tenfold every time so having having that balance is is good you know and and also i have a really supportive chosen family both east and west coast and i'm thankful that um they they know the drill they will help they have helped um so i'm even though i'm an only child there it's i come from an incredibly tiny family that without having kids myself seems to be it 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 will it will die with me. Um, thankfully, I have chosen friends and family. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll adopt someday. We'll see. Right, but you also uh, let's just gloss over that. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Um, but you also are in. A, you're in a wonderful city, a supportive city. Absolutely. So that, so that I don't think you'd be in a better city than I know of. Yeah. I'm sure, that might exist, but um, to have people have your back. Absolutely. So yeah. Well, to bring it back to the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but like I was saying with, you know, customers that come in and, and divulge, you know, really crazy stuff like divorce or, um, and, and taking care of them. Um, there's been some really. I haven't been in enough to lay all my stuff on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's... yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what it is about a cup of tea, but it, um, Cup of tea and a little wine to wash it down. The combo seemed oh, you to. Could, you could, <laughs> maybe you could have been a good therapist in another life too. Maybe I'm. Know. I'm a. I'm a good caretaker. It seems. So, so let's do one thing for the people who have not been into Maurice yes. just quickly, yes. as opposed to usually I'll ask where you've been in Portland and all that good stuff, and you're welcome to share that. But let's take just for a couple of minutes. Take us inside. If I walked in right now and looked at your menu, what is there? that people would indulge in? So um, I try to, so Maurice is a French and Norwegian pastry luncheonette. Um, I try to be thoughtful with the food and have it be healthy with some rich components um, versus fatty um, or heavy. 
so that you save room to have dessert. Everything is pretty light-handed. Um, I have been on this earth long enough to understand most personalities cook or make wine or um, lo- like their personalities. So I have kind of a lighter, whimsical style to myself. My food has the same. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I want anyone to cannibalize me and see if, you know, test it out. But um, it's whimsical, it's playful, it's bright, it's fresh, it's colorful. It will leave you feeling good, which you know, I was just about to say, every so time critical. I walked out of there, I felt a little healthier. Yeah. I felt, I felt good. Because but you I, had a meal and dessert. Right. But... Um, it's it's not three meals on a plate, you know. It's you you won't you'll still get to do the things that you want to do in the day, which um, is is awesome. And I'm and um, it's it's hard for me the longer I have it open because some places when I go I have a food hangover from one dish one dish and I can't figure out what the hell is going on because there's so many ingredients and fats and I don't know. Um, and so it's it's something either has butter or it has olive oil. We don't put meat in the quiche typically because it's rich enough. Um, we rarely even put cheese in it. It's usually just vegetables or fruit with herbs. It's mm-hmm. um, So I think Maurice is thoughtful, detailed, feminine, whimsical. I love it when we get bros and dudes because more often than not, we get mothers with sons and daughters and um, we have an older clientele and we have a traveled clientele and we have a clientele that likes beautiful things and likes to feel good. Um, We don't have lots of heavy, dark things with beards or plaid at Maurice. The uniform is stripe. And it's very white. It's very white to yes. where people thought it was a gallery when I opened and were confused because the bakery didn't have chocolate chip cookies and cupcakes. And mm-hmm. when I would tell them, but we have Anisette yeah, Brioche and we have this. Next and door to Courier Coffee for a pretty good chocolate chip cookie. If yeah, looking for. absolutely. Um, absolutely. There's but, enough places but around. That's, that would be a shame when you're sitting in Maurice not to not to take something from Maurice. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of seafood. Because I like seafood, and I think it's a good, clean protein. That's a good thing. Um, and not a lot of meat. So you'll probably be glad to hear, the. I think it might have been the last time I was there, or the second to last time I was in Maurice, I was invited by Mr. Gorham. So there's two kind of beefy guys yeah. coming in to yeah. Maurice to have a, a meal. Yeah. It was really delightful. That's true. Good. So I'm glad. Thank well, you. thank you. Thank you for that, and thank you... Uh, now I really know why I really I wanted you on the, to come in here. For you a got long a time. lot of information out of me. No, I don't. I don't know. If we, but just you're. I was. It was very engaging. Thank you. And um, you're a marvelous person. And oh, I found myself kind. when you were tearing up, just tearing up a little with you. Oh. And um, such a sentimental nudge. Yeah, I am well, ridiculous. Um, a real honor and a pleasure to have you in here. And I, oh, thank I really you. appreciate it because I know it wasn't easy. And I was. And I, <laughs> I know was, the freezer guy is probably waiting, wondering. Yeah, go get go take care of your freezer. Yeah. But uh, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Maurice PDX is is that right? Your website. Ye- you don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I pulled it up. It right. is. Yeah. Marty's PDX, and you don't need to worry about the little the A. Um, and uh, do you have a very healthy Instagram? Is it also Maurice PDX? It's me at nineteen sixty-five. Oh, right, right, right. Me at nineteen sixty-five. Because if a I were going to be a superhero in the sixties, it would be me at nineteen sixty-five. There you go. And actually, you didn't ask about the font of Maurice because that's a super fun story. No, there's I so many like details. To ask about fonts, but I think we're out of time. You can. Can you? Do can I tell a, you really quick? Yeah. Well, you, how are we going to do? The only other thing to do is say we're going to have you back, and you'll explain it then. But go ahead and do it now. There okay. are many other things. Okay. Um. So I bought the font. It's called Beretta from a gentleman. Um, um, in London, who um, has a hand-stamped um, font called Beretta that he designed um, to be playful like the 1960s, um, and it just seemed perfect. So I'm the only one that owns Beretta now. That's and it. It's the you, you bought font. it out. I bought it outright. And so... Um, and the colors, too? You Norwegian and French. Norwegian and French. <laughs> Very good. And, you know, as you can tell... You give every single thing thought, so I do. I'm almost um, autistic and with detailing. Well, that's wonderful, and it comes through. So, um, again, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll this look was forward fun. To this coming out. I, this I'll is see one you soon for smorbuds and tarts and cheesecake with black pepper. And you can and bring those out, out to the coast sometime. Just leave them after you leave. Okay. How's that? All right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right